Have you ever been frustrated or a little lost when you're at church and you hear phrases that are common to church language, but you just aren't real clear about what they mean? Like discipleship or fasting or quiet time. Maybe you know vaguely what they are, but you don't know why it's important. You don't know why it's talked about so much or what life is like with or without it. So in this next series throughout the month of May, I'm going to be hitting on those foundational concepts that are so foundational, (laughs) we forget to teach about them. So in today's, we're talking about discipleship. And I brought in my dear friend, Courtney Lohman. I went to high school with her, so we've got some fun little stories. She is a minister in Arizona, and she is passionate about discipleship, as am I. Now, you've got to stay tuned till the end, because not only does she get really practical in this episode so that you can totally thrive pursuing discipleship in your own life, but in Life Hacks, she talks about how to have great hair without any heat or tools, and it'll last you for days. So let's jump right in. It's going to be a good one. Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. Well, thank you, Courtney, so much for coming on the show with me <clears throat> again. And so we can <laughs> re-record our episode because Absolutely. <laughs> second time's the charm. That's right. And, uh, so Courtney is a, well, actually, I'm going to let you introduce yourself so that I don't get the information wrong, but Courtney is passionate about discipleship and I'm going to let her explain what her role is at church in regard to discipleship. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I am married to my husband, Jeff, and we have two boys, Jackson and Carter. They are five and two. So things are um, hopping around our house for sure. <laughs> Um, I am a, my career is as a music teacher, but I also do a podcast called the journey of Ruth podcast. Um, our goal is always, um, to bring on men and women that have a story to tell and wisdom to share. And the background of the podcast is I was blessed with so many people in my life that discipled and counseled me as I grew. I was a PK, so we really didn't have an option. (laughs) (laughs) You know, people just tell you how they're feeling about what's going on in your life, whether you like it or not. Right. Oh, PK being preacher's kid. Thank you. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. Preacher's kid. Yeah. Um, And so as the pastor's daughter, you know, people might tell you if your dress is too short or how they feel about that boy that you're, you know, dating. Um, and sometimes it's unsolicited advice, but sometimes as I look back, it was very wise. Um, people really just telling me that out of love. Apparently that's not normal to have a cloud of disciples around you. Mm. And I'm finding that as I get older and that is, why I started the podcast was a desire to share these people that God had put in my life with the world, knowing that they had wisdom to share and I wanted people to hear it. Yeah. So we started the journey of Ruth podcast for that reason. We also started a discipleship training course at our church. Um, we actually have a discipleship ministry called disciple her. And we help women at our church to train to disciple. And then we will partner them with women at our church who are looking for discipleship. Or we just encourage them like, hey, 
there are so many people that need discipleship out there in the world. Go find them, go get them, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah and I, I also get the chance to teach. I get the chance to um, do a Bible study focused on young moms and at our church, which is a lot of fun. I bet that is. Okay. So now we've used the discipleship word already a number of times, but I feel like it's a word that's been around long enough. It could have a a variety of understandings for people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So would you give a really simple layman's term description of what you consider discipleship? Yeah. So I think a simple definition would be helping someone to learn to be more like you in thought and deed. That's a very dictionary textbook definition. When we think about discipleship in the terms of Christian living or in the uh, Christian life, we're not trying to make them look like us. We want them to look more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that can come in so many ways. In Titus 2, it talks about how older women need to teach younger women very normal things like how to be a godly wife and a godly mom and how to take care of your household. But it can also be working with someone on a much deeper level, Mm -hmm. doing a Bible study together, reading a book and discussing, maybe even just talking about really big issues that that person's going through, whether it be addiction or divorce or dating or whatever it might be that that person's dealing with and going through life in and helping them to figure out what does that look like to be in that place and to honor God with your thoughts and your deeds. Yeah, that's so good. So basically like mentorship, but maybe on a much more personal level. Mm -hmm. And I think what I, what I've heard from a lot of people when I talk about discipleship and the importance of it is the biggest, like, I don't say, I don't want to say opposition, but arguments against them becoming a discipler is they think a, they don't have enough time or mm-hmm. B um, they're not qualified. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm not that mature in the Lord yet. So I couldn't possibly, but I feel like my mentality since I was young, and I don't know if this was just me or if someone taught me this, but I just always felt like, well, then I just need to share what I have with someone who hasn't quite learned what I've learned yet. You know, just someone who's a step behind me and then give them what I have. And then you've got someone to disciple. You know what I mean? So what would you say to people who are like, I don't have the time and or I'm not mature enough? You know, I wonder if it's the same for you as it was for me. I never felt like it didn't have something to share. But I wonder if that's because people had affirmed in me that ability to disciple other people to share what I was learning and to share what God was doing in my life. And the fact that it was more about just a conversation and living life with someone, not Mm -hmm. so much about needing to be their teacher. So that's one of the things that we have to understand about discipleship is that you are not taking the place of Jesus in their life. In fact, if you do, if you are the only place that they know to, to come to for an answer, you've actually done discipleship completely wrong. Yeah. Our goal is to teach them. I always look at it, look at it the same way that I think about motherhood. Sometimes eventually I want my boys to be able to 
go out and cook for themselves, mm-hmm. do their own laundry. I'm like the, I'm not a helicopter parent. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> uh, I want you to be able to fight your own battles. I want you to be able to stand up and advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. I also want you to be able to know where to go in scripture and find the answer to that question that you're asking. Yeah. I think that is what we're called to do in discipleship is to help people to learn what it means to live as a Christian. We don't have to have all the answers. Yeah. And I have definitely walked into this, like discipling people and gone, I, I don't know what I'm doing, God. Like, please help me not to just completely screw them up. <laughs> you know? Like, that's my number one prayer. Please don't let me screw this up. Yeah. And I think what I discovered in that first time of really discipling someone was the response. That's a very good question. I don't know the answer. Can I get back to you? <laughs> Such a great <laughs> response. Right? Because they, first of all, I think it shows that you don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And they need to see that. Yeah. And then it shows that you're going to go and actually do the research yeah. and that you care enough about that question to go and figure that out. Mm-hmm. For me, I think that discipleship can kind of look two different ways. Discipleship, first of all, is sometimes for a season and sometimes it's someone that's in your life for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're scared of discipleship, start small. So don't start by calling someone and saying, hey, do you want to do a Bible study with me? Hey, I'd love to lead us through the book of Exodus. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say start with, hey, how can I be praying for you? Mm-hmm. Calling someone that you know that you can be ministering to or praying for and just asking that question, how can I be praying for you? Yeah. Um, meeting with Someone who you know is maybe a little like a few steps back uh, in life from you. I'm not talking spirituality necessarily, but life mm. and saying, How can I help? So, asking a young mom, just going like a new mom and bringing her a cup of coffee and sitting with her. Like, yeah. if her husband works and she's sitting at home alone with the newborn, go hang out with her. Yeah, just talk to her about life. If you've, if you know of a family that has young kids and you have a pool, invite them to your house to swim in your pool. Yeah. Spend a little bit of time. So it's more about the time spent with the people than about what you say. Mm-hmm. Then as those conversations develop in the time that you've spent together and the time that you've spent praying for them, eventually maybe something will, will come a little bit deeper. And you can say, hey, I heard of this book, and I know that we've talked a little bit about Um, you know, you're wanting to develop your relationship with your husband. Well, I heard of this marriage book. Would you like to like walk through that? It's a, you know, a book on how to be a godly wife. Mm -hmm. Would you like to walk through that with me? Cool. Yeah. And there are so many books out there nowadays, by the way, that you don't have to create your own curriculum. Yes. (laughs) Right. Well, and I love too how simple discipleship really, that word makes it sound like something that it's not discipleship is simply you're caring about your neighbor and you're mm-hmm. you're caring enough to speak in with to their life with wisdom like yeah 
and you're guiding them to go to the Lord. Like a lot of times when I don't know an answer to a question someone has asked, I'll either respond like you do. You know what? Let me look around and get back to you. Or I'll say, hey, how about this? I'm going to go Google and look in the Bible and do the things. Mm -hmm. Why don't you go Google and look in the Bible and do the things? And we'll come back together. And I want to hear what you came up with or what you feel like the Lord spoke to you about it. And I'll share what I came up. Because I always want to challenge them to do their own digging as well. And so then I can become a sounding board, you know, like you had to do some legwork too, you know? Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and maybe not initially, maybe initially, you know, I'll be like, well, let me look for that. But I never want, like you're saying, like the goal is not to make them dependent on us. The goal is to mature them like parents, you know, we yeah. want to mature our kids. Something else I love too, is whenever I was in high school, um, one of our mutual friends, uh, I spent lunch with her every day and, I mean, I wasn't thinking, oh, who can I disciple? I was discipling people at church because I had small groups and stuff. And But I ate lunch with her every day, and I would just share about my missions trips and my small groups and what the Lord was teaching me and this and that, whatever. And she'd ask her questions like, oh, God speaks to you. You know, we just yeah. literally had conversations. So by the time our senior year came around, I remember her telling me, like, generally, I feel like you've discipled me. And I was like, oh, really? And she was like, <laughs> yeah. She's like. I look back through high school and I didn't know I could have a friendship with God. I didn't know I could talk to him so personally until you started sharing about your experience and you answered all my questions and we had all these great conversations. And she's like, I'm, I actually pray and talk to the Lord now and have a relationship with him. And I didn't before she's like, and that's because of the time we spent together. And so I was like, if I can accidentally disciple somebody, (laughs) it's not complicated, you know? And I think we try to make it, more complicated than it is because we almost feel like we have to, okay. So there's discipling and then there's like, um, like what a pastor does, right? Shepherding and teaching. Um, I think discipling what you're saying is like that idea of doing life with people. I feel like if you really are trying to figure out, okay, what does, what does discipleship look like? You can kind of break it down into three things. First of all, regular contact. So the reason why that discipleship accidentally happened is because you guys were eating lunch every day together. Yeah. But I don't know when you get older, you don't see the same people at lunch unless you're working with them and you, you do see them at lunch. Right. Uh, but a lot of times as we get older and into adulthood, we have to be really purposeful about that regular content mm-hmm. contact. Sometimes it's in person. Maybe it's over the phone. Then number two is the honest conversation. So being honest about where you're at, asking them where they're at. Sometimes mm-hmm. I think it requires asking the hard questions. Yeah. You know, and sometimes the people that have been able to disciple me the best are the ones that I let in the deepest. Mm-hmm. And I am like a champion. Like I'll let you in like this far down, but I'm not going to let you know really what's going on. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and, the first person that I ever felt really like legit was like, I could say, this is her like wanting to disciple me. Uh-huh. She asked a hard question. So once where I was like, yeah, I really don't want to answer that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. and it really, I needed to answer it. And, I, and because of that, God did a lot of great work in my life, mm-hmm. but I also had to have that relationship with her for, to allow her to, you know, have that honest conversation. And then I think the third thing is prayer. Without prayer, um, now it can be together. I, I always think if it's like a 
you're meeting to actually like have discipleship, pray together, right? Yeah. Even if the person you're discipling doesn't really feel comfortable, fine. Then you, you do the praying, but you're praying before you go and praying as you're going along. Um, you're praying for that person, asking how you can be praying for them. And if there's someone who's not super comfortable with all that, say, hey, can I pray for you right now? People are always kind of shocked by that, but I've never had anyone say no. They're like, right. uh, yeah, yeah, sure. And it can, it can be weird, you know, but you're like, I really just want to pray for you right now. Can I do that? Right. And a lot of times they'll say yes. So I think just having that regular contact the honest conversation and then making sure that you're praying about it mm. when you just break it up like that, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it yeah. makes it seem like, Oh, well I can hang out with people. I can talk. I've always been good at that. I can talk mm -hmm. and I can pray. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, that's a good place to start. Well, and I love that you hit on number two too, where it's, um, you be, you have to have honest conversation because I feel like, a lot of people think that for them to be in a mentoring type position, they've got to come across as perfect and got all your stuff together, you know? And while in some regard as a leader, you don't want to be like a basket case. You don't want to like have all your laundry out there all the time where people just are like, wow, she's unstable. You know, like you need to shield right. them from some of that, you know? Um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with being like, Hey, I'm learning this right now. Or, um, or man, you know what the Lord told me last week and it just spoke to something I was struggling with, you know, and, and I feel like even speaking to past struggles or I don't know, just, just, there's gotta be some vulnerability or else it's not real leadership. Yeah. And the fact that our vulnerability invites their vulnerability. So if I'm never vulnerable to some measure in an appropriate way or an appropriate sense, um, then they won't know how to be vulnerable back. And so those hard questions yeah. are easier to ask when vulnerability is happening. And, um, and you're right. Like the hard questions, it's a good sign that it's an important question. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the, the truth is you can, I liked the, what you said, like you don't want to, to put it all out there. Right? right. But the truth of the matter is if you are discipling someone, you should be listening more than you're talking. Mm -hmm. True. Because, you need to know what's going on in their life before you can encourage them. If you're always talking about yourself, then yeah. you never get to know them. So yeah. you should be talking more than you're listening. But here's the other thing. <laughs> listening when you're talking. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I get it backwards? <laughs> you should be <laughs> listening more than you're talking. There we go. We got you. <laughs> but on the other side, you do need a place to be flat out honest, mm -hmm. to to lay everything on the table. So the truth is you need to be discipled. Mm. So, okay. The, when you're discipling someone, that's not the place for you to lay out all everything. Mm -hmm. It is the place for you to be honest and say, look, I'm working through stuff right now and I'm working through it with my discipler. And maybe you give them a snapshot of what you're working on, but all of that, you don't want to take up their time to be honest by right. talking about your stuff. You're going to do that somewhere else. Right. Exactly. And that's a great point. I love to that going back to the thought of like, I don't have enough time or where you said, well, just mm. start small. I always encourage people just pick one person, like pray and ask the okay. Lord to put someone on your heart who you can kind of 
not take ownership over in like a controlling way, but just like that you can begin to love in prayer and love relationally. And my husband, um, he was sharing this statistic that if everybody in our church, which we have like 800 to 1,000 people in our church, if everybody in our church picked one person to disciple and every six months, each person, even the one being discipled, chose someone to disciple, then in three years, our entire city would be reached. Yeah. In three years, our entire city would be discipled, mm-hmm. not just reached, discipled. And so I was like, okay, so the exponential impact of just discipling one person and training that one person to do the same thing yeah. is phenomenal. And we, we, we underestimate how impactful our small decisions are. And sometimes we overestimate how impactful our large decisions are. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And second Timothy talks about that, about how it's about, um, men speaking to, to men speaking to men. It's like a, it's not a, I'm just going to like speak with you, you know, and, and that's it. I'm going to disciple you and, and you get to take and take and take and take, you know, um, there's so many good illustrations out there about the take and take and take and take, um, the one illustration that really kind of kicked me in the butt when it came to discipleship is that when you're, if you think about a tree and like a good climbing tree, we all have one of those in our neighborhood, even in Phoenix where I live (laughs) where, you know, everything's desert landscaping. There's still right on the other side, a great tree. And every time we pass it, my son's like, I'd love to climb that tree. And I'm like, but it's not in our front yard. So get out. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know who lives there, so right. no. Um, but you get to that first branch and you feel like so victorious because you've you, you, you've gotten to that first branch, right? But to go one more branch higher would be kind of scary. And then as you get a little bit older, you can get a little bit farther up in the tree. But there's always like these limits for us, you know, oh, I can only go this high. Well, the truth is, that in spiritual life, if you'll look around, you'll realize that you are not in the tree alone, right? That wherever you are, there are people above you that you can look up and reach up and say, can you help me get to this next level? Like those people are there. You just have to keep your eyes open and look for them. Yeah. Um, and then if you will look down, there are people who need your help to get to that next branch. Yeah. Yeah. There are always people that need that help from you like no one else you and so then we be, we are helping each other to grow in our relationship with Christ to yeah. in, um to encourage our world to encourage our cities and our nations yeah. we're working together as a unit we are not in the tree alone it's true so it's both directions and I, I love to like that illustration really kind of helps um uh illuminate how refusing to take our place in helping someone else mm-hmm. is not humble. It's actually selfish. Yeah. And I, I don't mean that in such an abrasive way, but if we call it what it is, when the Lord commissioned us, he, as believers, he commissioned us to make disciples and for us to continually say, I'm too busy or I'm not mature enough. That's like being in that tree and being aware there's someone right below you who wants to get there. And you're like, sorry, I'm too busy to help you up. Sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm not strong enough to pull you up. They're like, but you got there. 
So why yeah. can't you, you know? Yeah. And so really at the bottom of it, it's, it's either selfish or it's fear or it's pride, you know, because for us to choose to think of ourselves in any way that's apart from how the father thinks of us is pride. And it can look to our flesh like it's humble if it's minimizing thinking, you know, like, oh, I'm not this enough or I'm not that enough. But just because it's minimizing thinking doesn't mean it's humility. It's arrogant for us to think differently of ourselves than what God does. And so for us to say that to someone, we're really just operating in pride and some selfishness. And so that always, I like your illustration because it makes it easier to say that. Well, and let me say, that's not my illustration. Uh, I actually stole that. Um, <laughs> from, hey, you know, we're expert borrowers, whatever. That's right. Expert borrowers. That is from the open your Bible Bible study by the girls from she reads truth. Oh, good. But it was that picture mm-hmm. that God and, and a, um, a word from our women's minister at our church mm-hmm. of saying, here's the thing, ladies, I've got young women who want discipleship, but Every time that I approach a woman and say, I think you would be a great person to disciple her, I get, I don't know how. Mm-hmm. I don't know even where it would start or what I would say. I don't know what to do. And that was what kind of spurred me in the direction mm-hmm. of creating a discipleship ministry at our church. Uh, kind of brought me down the path where discipleship became a real passion for me. Mm-hmm. Um I sat around for six months, you know, while God was stirring in my heart. I was like, that's nice. That's nice. That's nice. Finally, six months later, I went to our women's director. I'm like, so God told me six months ago to come talk to you. I'm here, you know? (laughs) Uh, So finally, um, but my goal was to help the women feel qualified we use as a as a training tool we use the book a gentle the the gentle art of discipling women mm. by Dana Yeakley and i feel like she does a great job for the most part of really helping women to understand that it's not you don't have to be a college professor to disciple and that you are qualified just as you are yeah because someone needs to know what you've gone through Okay, so your perspective is so much more gracious now. I just sound like a jerk. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) No, but I think you're, no, you are exactly right. I think then women understand that and they're like, I still don't have time, right? Right? But when people understand that it's not so complicated because Mm -hmm. that is our self-protective thing. I say it all the time. I don't have time, Mm -hmm. right? I don't have time to do that. And God's like, okay, fine. I'll put you in quarantine. Do you have time now? Come on, right? And we still somehow don't have time. No, what you mean is that for you, this is not a priority. Right. But for Jesus, it was. Yeah. You know, he had all of these disciples, you know, all of these apostles, these people following him. But then he had the 12 disciples, right? Who he invested in. On purpose. In a very, yes, on purpose, very focused way knowing them in a deep way, having honest conversations with them. And then he challenged them and told them to go out and make believers and disciple them. You know, he was very specific that this is a call in our life. So I feel like it's the same as, you know, me saying, well, I don't really have time, Mm -hmm. child, to play with you. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, sorry. Like I chose to have those children. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I chose to have them in my life. So therefore I need to find time. Yeah. Yeah. It and might I'm look like- different for each person. Like, I mean, a, right. a, a stay at home mom's going to have a little more time with her children mm-hmm. than a mom who it works. Right. right. But that doesn't mean that your time with your children is any less important. Right. right. And, and sometimes stay at home moms, you can have no good quality time with your kids and see, right. be with them all day long. Right? right. Yeah. So it's just in the, in the way that you do it, I think, um, and that's the other thing with what you were saying, like, what does it look like? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. What does it look like to you? Cause to be honest with COVID-19, we're having to look at a different way of doing discipleship. Yeah. For me, I love sitting down and having coffee, yep. which is why I love the title of your podcast. Cause I'm like, yes, <laughs> Java, anything with coffee. I am there, you know, um, I can't have coffee with people right now. I know. And for some people, it means I would love for you to come to my house. I know one lady and she doesn't drive anymore. Women come to her house to be discipled. Mm-hmm. Right. But I have another lady. She's like, I, I really, I, it makes me nervous to have people in my home. Well then don't ask people to come to your home. Like they go to their house or meet them at Starbucks. Right. Yeah. It works how you're comfortable. There is no yeah. way. Don't, don't have someone say, well, discipleship looks like this. Right. Well, and one thing, okay, so let's get into the practical how-to because I feel like we've cast vision for discipleship and we've, we've nailed some of the hard issues that might prevent us from being willing to take that risk. So our listeners are probably in the point now where they're like, okay, I'm willing to try this. How do I do this? So let's get practical. So my husband and I always recommend that you just pick your head up and look around and see who's around you or, or for me, I'll notice that maybe someone comes up in my thoughts a lot. Um, then I'll just start praying for them. And if I just continue to feel a drawing to them, I will just ask the Lord to create an opportunity for me to build a relationship. So, um, you know, my neighbor, uh, we started hanging out on, on a business premise, but we started building a friendship that way. And so in the time of us spending time together, I'm able to talk about how the Lord's working in our life or this, that, or whatever. So I'm just continuing to pray. My husband is praying for another neighbor and he's been asking for the Lord to create opportunities. So we're, we're reaching out with kindness. We're reaching out with relationship. We're serving them. Serving is a really great way to yeah. build a relationship with somebody. And so, but if you work a lot, who do you have around you at work? Who do you spend eight hours a day with? That's your built-in disciple right next to you. Yeah. The people yeah. next to you or the person you eat lunch with at work. So step one would be, if you, I, I imagine you'd agree and add to it too, if you have any other ideas yeah. of look around and see who's already in your life, because those are your, those are your built-in disciples. What would you I say? I actually would say step one is pray, right? Yes. Pray for those eyes because those eyes, I'll be honest. Like if I'm going to look out myself, then I'm probably not going to see the people that really actually need my help. I'm going to see the people right. I want to help. Right. And to be honest, like sometimes the person that God is going to ask you to disciple may not be like a person you would normally have a friendship with. Right, right, right. You know, yeah, sorry, I didn't say all that part. I meant look around and pay attention and see who the yeah. Lord's putting on your heart. Yes. Yeah, no, no, sorry, no, no but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I am saying that in the fact that in that prayer, yeah, it, ask God to show you mm-hmm. like 
who that person is around you. Yeah. Um, who needs that help? Um, and then uh, there's a Brandon Heath song, uh, mm-hmm. Lord Give Me Your Eyes. Mm-hmm. And he wrote it sitting in an, uh, um, an airport just watching people pass, right? Great uh, people watching at an airport, right? Yeah. And he's like, Lord, just give me your eyes to see these people as you see them. Mm-hmm. Not how they look to me, uh, the stress, the rush, the sadness. Help me to see them the way you do. And I think that's what we have to pray for. Yeah, yeah is exactly that that initial give give me your eyes. I yeah. think step two is um, make that connection, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. The, the right connection is not, hey, I would love to disciple you. <laughs> Don't start out that way because people are like, uh, excuse me, what's your like, name again? Like, like that's insulting. <laughs> in, some people will think it's insulting and some people will just think it's weird. Yeah. You know, um, start. You need to connect with them a little bit and yeah. not a little bit, a lot of it. And like you said, business, connect on a business level. Um, yeah. Well, and I would say too, like as you're praying about it, absolutely be praying about it because, but I find that with discipleship, usually it happens so organically. Sometimes when we're praying and being so intentional, we almost make it harder than it needs to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like pray because you want to be sensitive to what the Lord's doing, but realize like, just flip and pick somebody. Don't spend six months waiting around trying to, God hasn't spoken to me yet. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Just pick Good. somebody yeah. and build a relationship <laughs> like this is not hard, you know, but yes. we make it hard because Hey, we do want to do it right. And there is pressure when you add that spiritual dynamic and we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, but the bottom line is like, I mean, honestly, very rarely have I, most of the disciples I've made, I made just cause they were there and they were hungry. Yeah. You know, and, and while I do pray for them, rarely have I prayed, God, bring me a disciple. And then I go find someone. Cause then sometimes it's so awkward that mm-hmm. we're like, we make it awkward because then it feels forced. And like, I have this hidden agenda. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that, that makes, I have asked, um, I've been asked and then I have asked and right. sometimes it can be a little weird. Um, mm-hmm. if you're feeling God telling you to go talk to someone, I think definitely do. Don't yeah. wait. Right. Exactly what you're saying. Uh, don't sit around for six months. Before yeah. <laughs> you do anything about it. Um, no, I agree with that. I, I think that idea is just, Lord, just give me your eyes to see people. Yeah. Right. Um, and show me who I can help. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then just being honest. And by the way, this is not a lifelong commitment. No, it's not. It's not. So exactly what you're saying. Like maybe you guys meet and you say you're going to, you're like, Hey, yeah, let's, let's have coffee and let's read through this book together. Right. I have this book. Do you start with books? I feel like that's so intense and I would feel so awkward. I start with shopping or like, let's go out to lunch. You know what I mean? Like I'm talking about once you've, okay. So, uh, we're skipping, I've skipped uh, steps, but, um, yes, no. Step one is find the person. Yeah. And don't make it harder than it needs to be, but do pray about it. Yes. Okay, and then step, step two, two is do, do some life together, right? Okay. There you get go. coffee. Um, find if you're, common. yeah, find something shopping. If you are a mom of kids, do play dates, you know, right. um, if you are single, go for hikes. Um, if that's what you guys both like to do, go to the gym together, um, go yes. on double dates, you know, yes. if you've uh, got spouses or, or, significant others 
do life together. Right. Um, and because to be honest, the people that I look up to the most that have discipled me Mm -hmm. the most are not the ones that have, have said, Hey, let's do a Bible study together. But the ones that have, yes, I've done, you know, studies with them, but I've just watched them be a wife. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I want that. Yeah. I want that relationship with my husband. I want to be able to look at my child covered in Sharpie marker and have (laughs) that response. (laughs) Y'all I'm not there yet, but Hey, that's, Uh, that's what I want, you know? So if you're not doing any kind, if you're not living life at all with them, then that's where you start. Yeah. Then, then it, it can be hard to go from there moving on then, because to me, discipleship has two purposes. It has that purpose to encourage in, um, in Christian living, I guess, which is mm-hmm. that doing life portion. Yeah. But then there is that part of discipleship, which is where you are going to encourage that person to seek a deeper relationship with Christ. Yeah. And sometimes I think we can get really caught up in the, oh, we're just living life together. We're just doing life. And, and that is very good. And we need those people in our life. Mm-hmm. But you also need that person that's saying, hey, are you reading the Bible on a daily basis? Yeah. What was the last thing that Christ talked to you about? What, you yeah. know, what's God showing you in um, your reading? Right. Uh, what does your prayer life look like? Um, I, I, I think it's in the gentle art um, of discipling women, but the talk about a bridge of relationship. There is a bridge that's built, a bridge of trust that is built when you have a relationship with someone um, so that when you go to those deeper conversations and you say something like, "Um, I'm hearing what you're saying and what you're telling me is that you do not open your Bible during the week. Hmm. And I'm going to tell you, I think that's, I think you're missing out. And I think that's something you need to start working on. Mm -hmm. You say that to someone you have no relationship with and they're like, don't judge me. Peace. Yeah. You don't know me. You know, <laughs> like they, it's you, true. you have no place to say that. But yeah. if you've built that relationship, if you've done that lifetime with them, um, meaning life with them and your friendship or your relationship is strong enough, then when you say that to them, they hear it as an encouragement, mm-hmm. um, a challenge, yeah. you know, Um, or when you affirm something going on in their life, Mm -hmm. right? You're like, I just, you know, I'm just seeing how God is really challenging you in your relationship with your boyfriend and how you're taking the steps to make sure that your relationship is in a godly place. And I just need to say, great job. They see that as a godly affirmation and not as you just like blowing wind in their sails. Girl, you know, I have such such an example of that. Oh. I I have a girl that I've been discipling for literally seven years. Mm-hmm. And um, she finally just recently got married. And we've had lots of conversations about sexual purity and stuff. And there'd be times I would be texting her. It'd be late. And I'd be like, I'm coming over. And then, or I, I would just text her and it'd be late. And I would be like, hey, um, what, what would I say? Like, hey, Jesus is watching. Keep it holy. You know, just <laughs> And it's funny, you know, and lighthearted, but I would still say just as a gentle reminder, like, 
hey, make sure this isn't happening or just watch out for that. I love you. I'm praying for you. You know, like I know yeah. it's tough, but you can do this, you know? And so she just texted me yesterday. They just got married and they eloped. And she was like, hey, I'm so thankful that I saved this for my husband because it's so special. I don't know how people can treat this casually. And I realized you did such a great job really encouraging me to protect this part of my life. And I'm just so thankful. But yeah. we have seven years of history together. Not that you can't say that to someone you have less time with, but all that to say, like, you have to earn the right to speak into people's lives in those deeper places. Like you're yeah. saying, like, you trust is earned and you have to earn the trust and earn the right to speak into their life because in essence, they have to give you permission to do that. Yeah. And that permission comes through relationship and through trust. And so um, you're right. I totally love. So step one, step one is, Oh, one of my kids came in here. Step one is look around, pray about, pick somebody mm -hmm. and start a relationship or maybe someone you already have a relationship with, yeah. but you can just start praying about it and allow the Lord to kind of move the direction of that relationship. Mm -hmm. Second would be, um, do life together, find yeah. some common ground, share some love and laughter, like love and laughter, plow the hardest hearts. And so find something you can laugh about, find something, yep. watch a movie, some common ground. The third thing would be make the invitation to go deeper. Would you say? Yep. yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And when you're making that invitation to go deeper, set some expectations as well. Um, set some, uh, set a timeline. I just do this because we can all think that it's like a lifetime. You need to, oh, you're closing the door. Yeah, like, sorry. Do you need to go yell at some boys? <laughs> no, one of them snuck up here as he's not supposed to be. He's in the attic. And so he's going to be leaving, but thankfully he was quiet. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Um, set some expectations. If you think, okay, we're meeting for a lifetime, and now I'm going to have to uh, do a Bible study with this girl for forever. Mm -hmm. No. No, say we're going to, we're going to do, we're going to walk through the book of Exodus together, or we're going, I'm going to use Exodus a lot. It's where God has my brain right now. So, oh, okay. uh, or, um, we're going to walk through this book together and it's going to take us six months. Mm. Then we're going to reassess. It doesn't mean that this girl isn't in your life, right. but maybe in six months, what you realize or what she realizes is that, you know, maybe this isn't what I want. Mm. Okay. I understand that. Um, we can still be friends and still do this stuff together. Right. Yeah. And I'll still be praying for you and please let me know. And so when that time has come to an end, I've had that opportunity where we're no longer meeting, but mm. when they need prayer, they're calling me for prayer. Yeah. Right. And I'm still yeah. calling to check in on them and that type of stuff. So, yeah. I always like to set some expectations, like what yeah. are we doing? You know, what are we doing here? And then also like, hey, like you said a couple um, a couple minutes ago, I'm expecting you to do the work. We're not here so I can give you answers because the truth is I don't have the answers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? all of them. Yeah. Let's be honest. Uh, I probably will. There will be things here that I don't know. Or you're going to see things different than what I am. And I am going to be encouraged by how God is speaking to you. Mm -hmm. So we are not here in a teacher-student relationship. Yeah. A discipleship relationship is two people walking alongside each other. 
one usually having a little bit more experience than the other. But they, you think about Paul and Timothy, they walked with each other. Yeah. As Timothy learned from Paul, the disciples and Jesus walked along beside each other and they learned as they walked together. They didn't, the, the disciples, those really hardcore teaching moments were when Jesus was alone walking with his disciples. Yeah. Yep. It's totally true. And I love too. I feel like I would say probably like at that point, you're doing something a little more focused, a little more intentional and Mm -hmm. that's good. I feel like with most of my relationships, we don't necessarily go through books or anything like that, but I'm also discipling like probably 12 to 15 ladies individually. Uh Mm -hmm. And so I'm not going to be reading 12 to 15 books, but what I will be doing, you know, is I'll share what I've been learning um, in my quiet time, what the Lord's been speaking to me about. And I'll ask them, Hey, what have you guys been learning? Or what have you guys, what's the Lord been speaking to you? And we'll discuss that. And so I try to just, I feel like one of the key, uh, qualities of discipleship that I've encountered is asking really good questions that are good conversation drivers, like that dig down into the heart more than, um, cause it's easy and comfortable for us to stay on the surface in conversation mm-hmm. or be like, I don't want to make them uncomfortable. So I'm not going to ask too hard, you yeah. know, um, but being able to ask those harder questions, like you're saying. And I think another aspect of being a good discipler is that the fourth step I would say is having someone who's discipling you because yeah. that gives you good covering and it gives you good oversight while you're also shepherding. I say that that's probably not the best word to use, but, but more with children probably, but as you're giving oversight to someone else, mm-hmm. you want, people to have oversight of you because then if you get stuck or if you end up like, say they're like, Hey, I got raped this weekend. I don't know what to do, but you're the only person I knew to come to. Then you're like, "Ah, I'm not equipped for this. You know, you've got somebody you can go to, you go to your pastoral staff, you go to that person who mentors you and get some direction. And so I feel like that's an equally important part of making disciples is, is also still being one. For sure. Do you guys, do you guys have that built into your system too? Um, we don't have it built into our system though. We encourage women to do that. Um, and just like we encourage the, the young moms in our Bible study to seek out discipleship, but the hard thing is you can't make anyone do it. Right. Right. Um, so I think. Now we do open ourselves up as leaders of the, can we just start all of that over again? Um, Start over. Scratch, cut, start over. Scratch, cut. That's right. Um, Do we encourage people to do that? Yes, absolutely. We can't make someone do that. We can't say, well, you can only disciple here if you're being discipled. Right. But we, ask some really good questions as we're um, training our disciplers, who is it that discipled you or is discipling you? Right. And we're having those conversations with those women. Um, and a lot of times it's interesting to see women that will be in that room to disciple other people. And if they have never been discipled by the end, they're like, I need a discipler. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) You know? So if they don't have a discipler already, mm-hmm. they are very aware that they need one. 
Yeah. And so they kind of begin that search yes. because they, they are like, you know, I really need that before I can start discipling someone else. And I'm like, well, I don't know that I agree with that. I, I think you can start discipling someone, but I do think you need to find someone to disciple you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So do we demand it? No. But is it very obvious that people see the need for it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We actually do, I believe, at our church, if they're going to d- make disciples um, through the church, like in the church system, we actually do require that they are being discipled also. We mm-hmm. make that a requirement just because of the accountability of it. Absolutely. Um, now, we don't, I mean, if there's people that are just discipling people on their own time, like obviously we can't, we can't step into that. But um, but if they're like, hey, we want to do it through the church, we're like, okay, this is what we recommend and this is what we ask for. And um, just because it provides that, I don't know, accountability and sense of covering. What I do find, though, is that a lot of ladies, I know I fell into this category, and I know a lot of people that I know of have also, where the reason they don't get discipled is because they feel bad asking mm-hmm. for somebody's time. Yeah. And And it took me the longest to realize, like, the people who get my time are the ones who ask for it. And I actually really feel honored that they're even asking. Yes. People who are kind of like leeches and they never bear fruit. They never grow. They just suck and suck and suck. No, I will. I'll draw lines and I'll have boundaries. And those boundaries help protect the relationship from getting unhealthy. But mm-hmm. people who want to grow and learn, I'll invest in them and I'll watch and see what they do with, with what I suggest and stuff like that. Yeah. But I always feel honored that they're asking. And so mm-hmm. I realized like it was my own fault for not being better discipled in years past because I just, I thought I was a burden and didn't realize it's actually an honor to ask somebody to disciple well, you. And I think you realize that after a while, when someone asks you to disciple them, you're like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. And you do begin to understand that you may ask someone and they may say, I'm, I'm honored. That's usually how it will start. Yeah. But I just don't have the time right now. Mm-hmm. Don't let that discourage you because yeah. I do know women who would be amazing disciplers, but they don't have any more time to disciple because they're discipling so many women. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, in that case, I think it's, you know, okay to, to say, I'm sorry, I don't really have time for that. Um, but don't let that discourage you if, if that's the first response you get. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Don't think, oh, well, I guess I'm not supposed to. Because what I find is that sometimes the first person I ask is the person I think would make the best discipler. Mm. And sometimes God has a better person out there. Yeah. And I'm just not seeing them yet. Right. And then once God reveals that, or once I, you know, sometimes it's just a conversation with someone. They're like, well, why don't you ask so-and-so? Huh? I never <laughs> thought of that. I never thought of And it. then in the end, I'm like, okay, God, this is, this is it. This yeah. you meant here, you know, but exactly what you're saying. Don't let fear hold you back. Yeah. You know, don't let fear hold you back from discipling other women. Don't yeah. let fear hold you back from asking to be discipled. Um, you know, it's biblical. Both of these things are biblical. So therefore they're important. (laughs) They're important. Exactly. And fear will tell you that you don't have time and it will tell you that you have nothing to offer or that you're a burden on someone else's time. 
but the Lord is not looking for perfect people. Yeah. Right. He's looking for willing servants and willing disciples. Are you a willing disciple? Someone who's willing to learn. He's going to provide that discipler for you. Are you someone who's willing to serve other people? He's going to provide that, that person for you. If you're willing, he'll provide it. So good. So good. I love it. All this. So now I hope everybody's super motivated to go out there, pick a person slash pray for the person. The Lord to reveal it. Start with somebody, one person, ask him to coffee, ask him to come over for a mom date, ask him to be your workout buddy at the gym, ask him to do something practical that you know that they like to do also. Mm -hmm. The third one was go a little deeper. deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go a little deeper. Ask, maybe ask permission to go a little deeper or see if the relationship is just naturally going that way. Ask him, Hey, have you ever read this book? Well, would you like to do it together? I think this would be a great book to do together. Me and my accountability partner are doing like a, a preaching course together. And oh, so, yeah. We, yeah. So we listen to it and then we talk about it. It's really great. Um, and then the fourth is make sure that you have somebody discipling you, like ask the Lord to provide somebody who can be that voice of mentorship and And I feel like these relationships, they're all built around servanthood. We're serving the other person. We're just serving the the great good of the other person. And that's what makes them so enriching. It's enriching to be able to lay down your life for somebody. And, and honestly, discipleship, that sounds complicated. It's so simple. It's just, it's just what we're supposed to do as humans, honestly, community and each other. If you're like at a point where you're like, okay, I I know I want to do this, but I just have these other questions and you guys aren't answering them. I love talking discipleship. Yes. Contact (laughs) Courtney. Yeah. Feel free to email me. Um, My email is Courtney at journeyruthpodcast.com. And um, the, I, I would love to kind of chat with you, figure out, you know, what your next step might be. And, um, encourage you. Cause I think sometimes that's all we need. It's just a little bit of encouragement. Like yeah. you can do this, you yeah. can do it, you know, take we'll that try. step of faith. So, you know, email me, let's have a phone call and I'd love to answer your questions and make sure you follow her on Instagram at journey yes. of Ruth. Is it journey of Ruth or journey of Ruth podcast? It's journey of Ruth. My website is journey of Ruth but everything else is just at journey of Ruth. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So find her on Instagram. You could also DM her on there if you can't remember the email address. Yep. So, okay. So thank you for coming to talk with us about discipleship, but we've got to get into one of the most fun parts of the episode, which is life hacks. Did yeah. you think a good one for us? Yeah, I do. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. So give us the life hack that is like, saving your life, saving your state of mind right now. Cool. So I did what everyone else is doing in quarantine last night and cut eight inches off my hair. Oh my God. <laughs> now, can I just say that my hair was like down to my waist? So I have really long hair. You, yes. you probably wouldn't even notice. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I asked my husband, did you notice I cut my hair? He's like, um, yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> But for me, being a mom and having long hair, sometimes I just, the the hairstyles, I don't have time to style it, right? And you can only do messy bun for so long. Um, So what I have discovered is the French braid. So, and then uh, you wear the French braid for a day or some people like take their 
showers at night and sleep with the French braid. Mm-hmm. I have extremely thick hair. So if I was to sleep in my French braid, it would still be wet in the morning. Oh, like that. Okay. I have to wear it all day for it to actually be dry. Um, but wearing the um, French braid and then taking your hair out and styling it wavy. Um, now you have to try it a couple times. You got to figure it out, right? Um, mm-hmm. And obviously this is for those people that don't have curly hair, but um, one French braid does not work for me because my hair is so thick. So I do two French braids and I find I get a curlier look if I do the inside out French braid. That's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask yes. if that makes a difference. Yeah. So I do the inside out. I don't know if it's just the way that the hair like turns. It took me a long while because I do the the regular French braid just fine, but the inside out one took some practice. I also part my hair in the middle um, where normally I part it on the side, right? But when I'm doing the French braids, I part it in the middle and I, um, I do the French braid. And then when I take it down and wear it wavy, I wear the side part. Oh, there you go. And be- because I'm pulling that over, it adds a little bit of body on top. And you can't be like, oh, you French braided, you French braided your hair, didn't you? Because right, I can perfect. see the line, right? right? Like it, it kind of messes with the line where it was. And now you can't really tell. That's so, so great. And then because it's second day, if you pray, spray a little dry shampoo in your roots, I can give you a little volume and freshen your hair too. I'll be honest. It lasts about four days for me. <laughs> Because no, you've got like, you you know, you have your, your shower in the morning, you get the braids one day, right? Uh, day two, and my, I don't have oily hair, so that's why I can go four days. But day two and day, th- or day two is hair down, curly. Day three is half up, curly. Day four is ponytail, curly. Look, I love it. That's such a great routine. But you're hair down and straight right now, so you're throwing me all off. I know. Yeah, yeah it's hair down and straight, but... Uh, normally I like the curliness. In fact, I do that a lot when I'm like going to like parties or whatever. I'll, cause I mean, let's be honest. If you have to get all dolled up too and do your hair and you've got kids, like you don't get the chance to be like, okay, I'll see you guys in an hour and a half. But right. if, if I can braid my hair on Friday uh-huh. and then on Saturday, all I have to do is get dressed and then take my hair out of the braids, uh, and then I'm ready to go to a wedding. That's yeah. much more feasible for me as a mom. Yeah, totally. I love yeah. it. That's such a great, a great idea. Thank you, Courtney, for joining us and talking all things uh, hair and yeah. discipleship. And um, and again, you guys, don't forget, if you have any questions, feel free, reach out to Courtney. You can reach out to me too, but Courtney is so passionate about this. Feel free to reach out to her and email her at Courtney at journeyofruthpodcast.com. Okay, or, or on Instagram DM at Journey Instagram. of Ruth. Yeah. Okay, so thanks so much for coming. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, Hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing rating and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Thank you to each of you for your ongoing support. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. 
Until next time, remember, you've got this and God's got you.